Blog Talk Radio. of this virus that I think has affected the rest of the world. I think we all know the big elephant in the room at this time, I think since last year, has been coronavirus, which has disrupted uh, normal routines, day-to-day activities, and which is very unfortunate. And some of us, some of our friends, they have been unfortunately 
lost to this virus. So we remember and pay tribute, especially to the families who have lost loved ones uh, to this pandemic, which started last year, and we are a year and some months in, and of course things are beginning to look bright, but unfortunately, when you're dealing with uh, things like pandemic, I mean, uh, you lose people in the process, so we, we, we remember and we honor those who have lost their loved ones. So my colleague on the other side is, of course, Nasile, Nasilele Imasiku. She is in South Bend, Indiana. How are you doing, Nancy, this evening? Well, 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 I'm doing okay. Thank you. And how are you doing? I uh, just want to say hello to our listeners. Welcome to the show as we discuss coronavirus today. So how are yes. you doing? How is Indianapolis? Oh, I'm doing good. Indiana is fine. Uh, at least we had good weather. I think it was somewhere in the 60s. So at least we are thankful for this good weather. At least there's no snow. I'm one of those who does not like the snow. So I'm very happy that at least the weather was nice and warm. So how how was the weather that side? Well, uh, the weather here also has been in the 60s, it's been sunny and bright. I love spring, so it's been quite good to have this warm weather. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I know it's, it's, a, it's a blessing. We count our blessings. So uh, what are we talking about this evening? Yeah, this evening we'll be talking about uh, the COVID vaccines, just the vaccines in general. As you've indicated earlier on, the devastations that coronavirus has brought, we've seen the high mortality rates and the high mobility rates. Uh, Just today as I was checking, I think um, the cases so far today in the United States we had new cases of like 66,880. About 1,040 people lost their lives. Total vaccinations today were 130,173,853. So 14% of the Americans are actually fully vaccinated. So it's important for us to discuss this topic. It's timely. I mean, we've been through this for almost a year now. So, and I know you sit on the board there with the Department of Health, so I'm sure you'll be able to give us more information. Yeah, yeah. So it's just amazing. I mean, when you look at the numbers, uh, how many people we have lost and how many people uh, contracted the virus and also just those, the majority of people, at least they have overcome the virus, which is a very good thing. Mm-hmm. So this evening, of course, like you've heard, we'll be discussing uh, coronavirus and from different angles, of course, with a special focus on vaccines, because we have all had the challenges that I think most of us have, especially as black people, when it comes to vaccines and medication and just the trust with the healthcare institutions. So, of course, there were challenges, documented challenges in the past where our people were treated unfairly by the system. So 
the distrust from that time is very, very much alive and present. So we'll be discussing coronavirus, looking at the vaccines and looking at the safety, the efficacy, and also looking at the the myths, what myths are out there, of course, this false information and things like that. So we'll be able to uh, share some thoughts and help, hope to guide our listeners by the end of our presentation that at least they'll be able to learn one or two things. Yeah, so, of course, of course, yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to this program, actually. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, uh, before we start, to we'll just have you, Nancy, talk a little bit about the 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 history of vaccines. Talk a little bit about vaccine, and then we'll, we'll switch gears a little bit from there. Okay, uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. Again, to our listeners, my name is Nancy Nasilele Imasiku. I'm one of the registered nurses. I've been on the front lines for the past uh, nine months working directly with COVID patients. But like enough, I haven't been affected by COVID. I don't know why. Maybe I'm still younger or my immune system is strong. <laughs> Not sure. It's just by God's grace. Oh, no, no. So, uh, we believe... Yeah, you're young and your immune system is good. <laughs> I should think so. It's just by God's grace, actually, you know. There was a time when I definitely thought I had coronavirus because I had all the symptoms, you know, loss of smell, loss of uh, taste. Uh, I, was also, I had a post-nozzle drip, you know. It came out to be like those allergies because of wearing so much masks, you know, when you're wearing a mask for 16 hours. Mm-hmm. So... So uh, anyway, um, one of the major public health challenges, actually, is uh, it's uh, you know uh, prevailing of new new pandemics, new diseases, because uh, when these diseases come into place, you don't have the medications, you don't have the right resources, you don't you are not prepared for anything. So it's no doubt that coronavirus has just been one of the greatest challenges this world has ever faced. You know, we had the flu, the flu, types of flus back in the days. Also, they had their own challenges. So uh, when we talk about vaccines, actually, they've been, they've been around for a long time. Actually, uh, vaccines are among the most important public health interventions in history, having led the eradication of polio, smallpox, and to significant reductions in the instance of many other viral bacterial diseases. So uh, when it comes mm-hmm. to new medications and um Vaccines, definitely, what we are concerned about is the safety, efficacy, and effectiveness. So everybody's always, like, scared. How safe are these vaccines? How effective are they? You know, that's why me and you, we've always spoken about, you know, knowledge is power. We have to Mm -hmm. depend on God and also depend on our research and um, making sure that um, we are getting the information from um, reliable sources. You know, exactly, so exactly. Which ones are the reliable sources? Like, if you visit the World Health Organization website or the National Institute of Health or the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention website, those should be able to provide you with updated information. I know uh, coronavirus being a new virus, information keeps on flowing in every day. You need to keep your eyes open, your ears listening, so that you are updated with what, with what is going on. 
So uh, whether to get vaccinated or not get vaccinated, basically it's just a personal decision. That's how I look at it. Even me, basically I had my own reservations about getting um, vaccinated. But as I'm working with my patients every day, I'm hearing different stories, you know, and different testimonies. I'm like, I'm not going to do it for myself. I have to do it for for my patients. I have to do it for my um, for my family members, you know, for the elderly population oh, yes. and those that are vulnerable mm-hmm. populations. So I haven't been born in Zambia, Africa. I got vac- We got vaccinated, I mean, with other vac- va- uh, vaccinations. They are against polio, chicken pox. We also got the BCG vaccinations against the tuberculosis. That's why when you do a TB test here, you normally react uh, if you are from Africa. But here it's a requirement to do that skin test if you work in the um, medical profession. So uh, one of the major successes actually in vaccines, I mean, apart from us getting scared and uh, worried, we've seen the eradication of polio. I mean, uh, the low cases of measles and reduction of tuberculosis cases and other infectious diseases, especially in Africa. So uh, when, when a disease is common and can have serious consequences, the public gen- generally finds that the benefits of the vaccine that can prevent it outweigh the relatively low risk of a severe side effect. So I think as we move on in this topic, we'll be talking about the side effects from the coronavirus vaccine or the severity of the disease itself. Would you rather be in the hospital, be in the ventilator for a month, or have a sore arm and have run temperature or chills for a few days? So that's, you know, that's a brief discussion there about um, the vaccines. I didn't want to go into details, really, without getting out of the topic of coronavirus. Otherwise, there's so much information about the history of vaccines, because I know I did a very big research when I was doing my graduate school. So back to you. Yeah, that's good. That's good because, of course, there are a number of diseases that have been eradicated because of vaccines. So in as much as there are concerns about vaccines, we have to look at the benefits. And, for instance, I like the the example that you gave. Would you rather be take your chances and be in the ICU or you take the vaccine. So uh, this just ties in with the public health uh, screening. Uh, Prevention is better than cure, like they always say. Yeah. So uh, we're going to talk uh, a uh, uh, Before you continue, so uh, what's Mm -hmm. your role with the uh, Department of, um, the State Department of um, Health there in Indianapolis? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Where COVID is really, yeah. Yeah, thank you for that question. So my, I work for the Indiana Department of Health. We recently just changed names. It used to be called the Indiana State Department of Health, but uh, since December last year, it's now called the Indiana Department of Health. And our offices are located uh, downtown Indianapolis, right by the circle. So my role at the Department of Health, I manage the HIV testing program, but since uh, COVID has been on the scene, my role has sort of transitioned uh, working on COVID-19. 
So in the beginning, when COVID started in Indiana last year, my role for, with the Department of Health, especially on, because we didn't even have a, a COVID-19 department. Uh, and since then, we've actually scrambled to gather some staff from different departments and to uh, have them respond to this pandemic. So in the initial phase, sometime last year in March, I was working in the call center. And on, on a, or prior to COVID-19, of course, it's working on HIV testing and things like that. But when the COVID uh, pandemic hit, so we had to respond. So, of course, uh, just like most of, most of the people have seen Dr. Fauci on TV, Dr. Fauci is also part of the, the pioneers of the HIV movement because he was the one working on HIV. So I think in, as much as we do the HIV testing, so we were drawn into this COVID-19 testing. So in the initial stage, I was working in the uh, call center. We put up a makeshift call center where we were providing answers to the community. And as it's still going on up to now. So in the beginning, because people were concerned, they didn't know what to do and how to protect themselves and how to sort of mitigate and uh, take some measures. So we were providing uh, answers to the general public, even the medical institutions, uh, calling the state health department as far as the guidance, what is the guidance, what is the, pro the criteria. So in the initial phase, we were working to just give information. But since then, I have transitioned because we had to get some, I think it's actually a third-party company to come and help with answering the calls. So uh, people come, came on board and they helped out with uh, responding. Of course, there was some uh, information or script which was given to uh, the third-party company to come and help with uh, just the volume of calls that we were receiving. So started out in the COVID-19 center and then I transitioned to uh, processing, testing, testing kits. So the test kits that we use uh, at the state are what we call Binax Now test kits. So my specific role has been to approve, especially the long-term care facilities, nursing homes and assisted living facilities and other uh, um, rehab places and doctor's offices and things like that. So my role has been each time when they want to test, they will send me an email and then I will sort of go through the criteria, see if they meet the, the requirements that we have put up. And if they uh, meet those requirements, then my role is to process and then uh, approve or decline uh, I mean, deny the, the request. So that's what I've been doing for the most part on the data part to process requests, who gets the vaccine and test, I mean, who gets the test kits and things like that. So that's exactly what I've been doing. And it's been quite overwhelming because there are a lot of uh, requests from different parts of Indiana. Uh, and also the other uh, task that I've been working on is also approving local health departments uh, 
when they need a test, then they send those documentation to the state. We verify if they meet the criteria and then we approve. So that has been my, my involvement with COVID-19 thus far. All right, thank you so much. So uh, I know you normally uh, do uh, data analysis for, I think, COVID patients too. So uh, can you give us the data for the Indiana state? I know uh, we're yeah. not able to give data to other states. <laughs> we are kind oh, of yeah. Selfish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no, thank you for that question. So now we're going to transition a little bit to focus on the data that we have here in Indiana because uh, we started out... Uh, segmenting testing of vaccines by age group. So let me get the actual figure that we have. So far, to over 2.5 million doses of the vaccines have been administered as of last week. So, uh, so far in Indiana, there are 453 vaccination sites. So, uh, if you need a test, what the requirement is that you go to ourshortin.gov. That's the website where you can schedule or you can call 211 and then they'll be able to assist with the necessary steps on where you can uh, get your test. So more than 2.1 million first doses, uh, first, because I think if you look at the Pfizer vaccine, and Moderna, there are two doses that uh, they give or they administer so far. 2.1 million doses have been administered. More than 852,000 people, uh, people fully vaccinated uh, thus far. And that's a lot. So that's almost like 900,000 people. So more than 2.4 million uh, appointments have been scheduled, and which is uh, one of the things that I think we are encouraging our, our people to make sure that when your time, time comes, that at least you, you sign up. So more than 6,000 uh, Hoosiers or Indian people in Indiana, they are called Hoosiers. So I know some people were asking me last time, who is a Hoosier? Is actually, if you live in the state of Indiana, you are a Hoosier. So over 6,000, uh, I mean 16,000 Hoosiers were vaccinated uh, just past week at the Indiana uh, Speedway. So this is on 16th. And but for those people who are familiar with Indianapolis, uh, we opened, I mean, the state... Uh, plus the city opened up the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, where just like in two weeks, they vaccinated over 16,000 people. So right now, there are some vaccination uh, partnership that has been established. And unfortunately, some of the dates have been, uh, in the past, because on March 12, at Ivy Tech in Sellersburg, there was uh, a massive uh, campaign to vaccinate people. And then this 20th, which is just a few days ago, uh, they, they had opened up a massive site in Gary, Indiana. That's somewhere in Northwest Indiana. And then this is actually in, in your ne neck of the wood, Nancy. In South Bend in Indiana, this is this coming Friday or the 20th, 26th to the 27th, mm -hmm. they are opening up Notre Dame uh, uh, university. So if you live in North in 
close to Northwest Indiana, South Bend, Mishawaka, and me, not Michigan. Of course, they will ask you for your ID when you show up. So take note of the this coming Friday. There's going to be a huge uh, campaign set up at Notre Dame. So encourage the people out there to show up and get the vaccination. So as yeah, of this actually, week... Uh, Notre Dame, mm-hmm, Notre Dame yeah. just posted their cases today. Like they had new 20 new cases, total cases of like 1,000, 1,074 Total tests one one five four one two. So it's it's a big campus. So yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So this this Friday is gonna be especially for the people in South Bend, because um, we do these shows just to give the information where people need to go. So now, if you are forty and above, last week it was forty five and and above, but now if you are forty years and above you can schedule an appointment. So make sure at least you are able to, uh, prevention is better than cure. So we'll discuss a little bit about the myths, about vaccines and things like that. But I just wanna make sure that at least people know that if you are 40 years and above, you can sign up and take whichever shot I mean, is near to you. There's a Pfizer, the Johnson & Johnson is the one shot, and then the other ones is the two, two-step two process. So Yeah, I actually, yeah. I actually saw that uh, um, the governor of Indiana, Governor Holcomb, I think he was going to mm-hmm. give a statement either today or tomorrow, that he was going he to actually, open it up for those over 16 yes. years and also take away the mask mandate. So Yes, yes. So... Yesterday, the governor was making, uh, uh, I think, addressing the nation, I'm sorry, the state. Uh, I think yesterday, if you watched, I know some people may not have an, uh, had a chance, but the governor yesterday, along with Dr. Box, Dr. Box, that's the lady that is always giving the statistics, the numbers. She's the Indiana uh, a Commissioner of Health. And Dr. Box, we work in the same uh, building. She's on the third floor, and I'm on the eighth floor. So that's our boss at the uh, Department of Health. So they, even I think this this afternoon, the governor was uh, sharing some more information. So they have the mask mandate. If you are entering uh, government buildings, of course, the expectation is that you are supposed to have the, uh, you are supposed to put on your mask. So as of the 31st of this month, 31st of this month, they will open it up for everyone. So if you have uh, kids, especially uh, above 16, then they can uh, go and uh, take the shot. So, but for now, it's if you're 40 and above, then you can sign up. And if you are close to South Bend, I think in Indianapolis, there are a lot of places. So if you want to find out where you need to go, you simply dial 211 on your phone, and then it to, you, you, there will, somebody on the other side will be able to share some, some information as to where you can go. Yeah, actually here in South Bend, we have so many uh, centers. We have St. Joe Regional Medical Center. We have uh, Beacon Healthcare System here at Memorial Hospital and Elkhart Hospital. And mm-hmm. also most of these CVS and Walgreens, um, they are also open for such. We also have, uh, I think primary schools, they're also, open, they're also open as vaccination sites. 
So we have so many sites when they just uh, we just kind of like go on Google and uh, say, why can I get a vaccine? All the websites exactly. will come up. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So in as much as there are vaccines out there, so just today, uh, the information for, for instance, for today, today is Wednesday. So we'll give the uh, the numbers or the figures tomorrow uh, before noon. So as of yesterday, uh, 976 people were diagnosed with uh, COVID-19. So the, uh, people may not be paying attention that, of course, the people are still getting diagnosed. So this is why you want to mm-hmm. make sure that at least you schedule your vaccine. So especially if you have, for instance, active dialysis patients, sickle cell disease patients, and I, for one, I'm actually, I fall in this group, the sickle cell, I have a sickle cell trait, so they actually contacted me two weeks ago and said, hey, uh, you have a sickle cell trait, so you want to make sure that at least you take your vaccine. So people, if you have Down syndrome, if you know someone, they they can actually just uh, call uh, dial two one one and then they'll get some assistance. If post solid organ transplant, if you have had any uh, organ transplant, people who are actively in treatment, either chemotherapy, radiation, surgery for cancer, uh, you want to make sure that at least you reach out to your uh, uh, health professionals, and then they'll be able to give you some guidelines. So those are some of the criteria. If you you are in one of those groups, make sure that at least you reach out and then you schedule uh, the next steps. So we are coming up to half an hour in the show. So we're going to go ahead and take a short break and play a, a beautiful song. I won't tell you which one it is. And then just to give you a little bit of time to relax, to stretch your legs. So, Nancy, do you have a, a request or we just play a, a Nora song? Well, uh, you can just play any song because I don't even know what songs you have on your, oh, on your okay. system. Yeah. <laughs> I don't oh, want yeah, to see this system sometimes it's a challenge. So let me go ahead and play since we started out with Nora. So let's go ahead and uh, play another track by Nora. So this one, I think it's called Give Me Your Number. It's one of the classic songs by Nora. It's your boy, Alexander and Nora. Yeah. 
Give me your number. That's, of course, the great uh, Nora Gold. That song came out a few years back. Uh, just feels like it just came out recently. Yeah, Nora, she's the lady who sang very beautifully the national anthem uh, last uh, independence celebration that we had. So that was a track. Give me your number. So continuing on in our program. So they are also just want to talk a little bit about the people at risk. So intellectual and developmental disabled uh, receiving homes or community. So if you people, those who are in a group home and people with just some challenges, they, they qualify to sign up and people who require uh, supplemental oxygen. If you use oxygen at home, so you want to make sure that at least you reach out. And also pulmonary fibrosis and also people with immune compromised state. So that's a weakened immune system from either blood or bone marrow transplant, immune deficiencies, combined primary immune deficiency disorders, HIV, daily use of corticosteroids use of other immune weakening medicine or receiving tumor uh, medication. So I think people who have cancer, you want to make sure that at least you reach out to your nearest uh, health professionals and then schedule uh, to be seen. So we're going to transition a little bit before we go, go far. So we'll be opening up the phone lines, but uh, we just wanted just to touch a little bit on the vaccine, because I know a lot of people were concerned uh, how fast the vaccines were uh, manufactured. Normally, we, we, pharmaceutical companies have a clinical trial after, I mean, they have a clinical trial, they do their experiments, they collect the data, they analyze the data, they write up papers, and then they present. Once they do those steps, they, they go to manufacture the drug. So with COVID-19, of course, people wanted the vaccine almost immediately. So what was different uh, about COVID-19 is that they were doing the manufacturing of the uh, vaccine while the clinical trial was going on. This is part of the reason why it has not taken long. For instance, a previous situation, what had happened was people do the experiment, collect the data, and then once everything is finalized, then they will go and start making a manufacturing of the vaccines. But in this case, they were able to do uh, everything all sort of simultaneously. This is why part of the reason why the vaccine uh, came out a little bit uh, quicker because, of course, they didn't want to wait so, and there was, there, I know people are concerned about questions, especially like uh, advisory groups. How did they come up with the criteria for the ages, especially for instance here in, the, in Indiana? There, there, there is what is called a vaccine advisory, I mean advi advisory groups. So vaccine allocation and plan development advisory group. These provide final recommendation on ethical and equitable vaccine allocation because they wanted to make sure that they just, it wasn't just people at the health department deciding everything for the state, or it wasn't just the, I know people may think politics, that, oh, 
it was just maybe the governor. No, there were a lot of uh, consultations which were done in the background. Ethical Consideration Advisory Group reviews existing documents and assists in writing and reviewing ethical approaches to uh, the allocation, vaccine allocation. Vaccine Review Advisory Group investigates information on each COVID vaccine and specifies reviews, safety profile, and all that uh, efficacy of each population. Equitable Distribution, a Data Advisory Group, Vaccine Program Imp Implementation Committee. So I just wanted just for people to know that it wasn't just like two, three people discussing, no. For instance, on the Vaccine Program Imp Imp Implementation Committee, external committee facilitated by state health commissioner with representation from state and local partners. So there were a lot of people involved, especially in deciding how do they come up with what age group and things like that. So there were, it was a twofold approach especially here in Indiana, because uh, there were two main tasks. Number one, priorities, the number one priority for the vaccine is to save lives, reduce hospitalization to ensure we have adequate healthcare resources available. And then also timing, balancing priority uh, with the rollout of the vaccine, for instance, Age, how do they, for instance, some people are saying, why do they start with people in the nursing homes? Why do they start with the elderly and things like that? It's because, of course, with the people who are advanced in age, in, in most cases, they, are, they have a lot of, I mean, they may have a, some medical uh, situation. So this is why they wanted to make sure that at least they can reduce the deaths. So when you talk of deaths, individuals aged 80 plus, represent 3.8% of the population in Indiana, but 19% of hospitalizations and more than 52% of deaths. So people are 80 and above. Now, when you look at individuals aged 60 and above, uh, out of the total population of Indiana, it represents 93% of all COVID-19 deaths. So 60 plus represents 93% of all COVID-19 deaths in Indiana. So let me go back. At least I know some, some people may want to hear that again. So individuals aged 40 plus, so some of us are in this age group, represent 98% of all COVID-19 deaths. So people 60 and above, 93%. People 80 and above, 90% of hospitalizations, but 52% of death. So the people above 40, this is why I think it's been opened up, because they wanted to make sure that at least they uh, follow sort of a system, not just opening up and everybody shows up at the hospital at the same time. So... Uh, Nancy, did you know why they had to do it this way in terms of these vaccines, the rollout? Yeah, because yeah, I think they were looking at people who were highly compromised first, and the elderly population, the geriatric population, have high incomorbidities. 
The exactly. immune system is weaker. They are more likely to die from uh, the viruses. So they had to give them a, a first priority. And also good, the good. frontline workers who are actually taking care of uh, patients with COVID-19 or who oh, are yes, at high yes. risk for contracting the virus. But yeah, uh, totally. at this particular time, since no. they've opened up like yeah. for 40 and above. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know yeah, I wanted you once you finish your thoughts, and then you after that talk a little bit about why there is this vaccine hesitance, especially among our people. Oh, okay, so uh, then I heard when they fell on the news today to say since they've opened up for forty and above, I think it might as well they may open it up for those about fifteen and above, because the chances of um, getting the virus are whole. They're all like the same, the chances, the risks, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So uh, let me talk a little bit about uh, the vaccine hesitancy, why people are hesitant to get the vaccines. Um, this hasn't just happened now. Even in the past, most people, some people have been hesitant about getting the vaccines. Not everybody does. It's kind of like a personal choice. Oh, yeah. So uh, most people are scared of, uh, you know, having side effects. Of course, like what I said, that uh, each medication has got, comes with, with its own side effects. Even Tylenol itself can cause um, liver toxicity. So you just have to look at uh, the benefits of that medication or the vaccine. If, if, it, if, uh, if it just outweighs actually the, you know, the side effects. So if you're getting the vaccine, you are having side effects that have been reported so far, uh, a sore arm, redness, and um, swelling around the injection site. And some of my coworkers have complained about having chills, running temperatures for just like a few days. But those side effects outweigh you being in the hospital and being in the ventilator for probably a week or even a month. You see, so, uh, so some of the... Hesitance too comes in, probably people are scared of dying. People are scared of uh, probably these vaccines may cause congenital disorders such as um, autism. They are also, uh, for pregnant women, they are also scared. They don't know how these vaccines will affect the unborn baby. Some, they are scared because of um, religious reasons, you know, like the watchtowers. They don't even believe in blood draws or blood transfusions. Like uh, with the COVID vaccine, I think the main thing was uh, people getting scared of uh, getting a microchip that maybe you may be monitored by the government. This was a big thing. But the government have assured us that there isn't any microchip in these vaccines, okay? So let's relax. So um, some people basically, it's lack of uh, knowledge. As we've said, uh, you need to be well-informed, do your own research, and just... um, Learn and make that informed decision for yourself. Some people just don't like medications like me. <laughs> so that's <laughs> So those are yeah. some of the reasons why people have are hesitant about getting these uh, vaccines. But for me, I had to really think twice. I'm like, I like traveling. I may be traveling internationally. I don't want to find myself in Brazil and catching the Brazilian uh, variant. And then I'll regret because I was given the first, one of the people given the first priority to the vaccine, and then I denied it. Okay, so I'll have to do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, if yeah. you look at, 
the cases in Zambia here, I think they do have the South African variant, so they've kind of lost a lot of people. Uh, when I get a chance, I'll look at um, what's going on, what has happened in the past 24 hours with their numbers there, too. I know we just lost Dr. Roland Musiska, the former public um, secretary oh. in the cabinet. He succumbed mm-hmm. to COVID. He's been suffering from COVID for the past few weeks, and he died today. Yeah, no, that's unfortunate. Actually, I didn't know that. No, that's good good information to know. Thank you for sharing that. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. so re- real quickly before we uh, open it up, just in case somebody has a question, just wanted to talk a little bit about the myth uh, versus fact. So the myth out there is COVID-19 vaccine can give me COVID-19. So the fact is, COVID-19 vaccines do not contain live virus. They cannot give you COVID-19. The other myth is if I, if I already had COVID, I do not need the vaccine. So the fact is due to the severe health risk associated with COVID-19 and the fact that there is reinfection with COVID-19, it's possible you should get vaccinated even if you already had the vaccine because, of course, there are different strains of, of course, the uh, Nazi just mentioned the South African or the British strain and all those things. So you want to make sure that at least you get your vaccine. So the other myth is COVID-19 vaccine can change your DNA. The fact is COVID-19 MRA vaccines do not change or interact with your DNA in any way. MRN vaccines teach your cells how to make a protein that triggers an immune response. The mRNA from COVID-19 vaccine never enters the nucleus of the cell, which is where our DNA is kept. This means the mRNA cannot affect or interact with your DNA, so it cannot change your DNA. So the other myth is COVID-19 vaccines may affect fertility uh, or, uh, pre- I mean, uh, especially for women who are uh, uh, expecting to get pregnant, of course, in the future. The fact is there is currently no evidence that antibodies from COVID-19 vaccine uh, vaccination cause any problems with pregnancy, including the development of, of the placenta. In addition, there is no evidence suggesting that fertility problems are a side effect of any vaccine. People who are trying to become pregnant now or who plan to try to use any, uh, try to, in future, may still receive COVID vaccine. So there is no evidence uh, based on science that indicates that it may cause infertility problems. So let me throw in maybe two more minutes. After getting COVID-19 vaccine, I will test positive on a viral test. So the, the fact is neither the recently authorized uh, and recommended vaccine, uh, which is the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, currently in the, in the clinical trials they use, can cause, neither can cause you to test positive. I think this is sort of the, something that I do or deal with on a day-to-day basis on COVID, I mean HIV. That's not how uh, somebody can. I mean, there's no. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, research that has been done 
but there is no indication that if you get a COVID-19 vaccine, it's going to affect your antibodies and you're going to test, uh, have a reactive test. So that is not the case. So let me throw in just one more. The vaccine development process was much faster than other vaccines. So COVID-19 vaccines cannot be trusted. So this is one of, I think I alluded to this area. So the fact is the mRNA technology was in development for over 10 years. Collaboration between government, industry, and other countries allowed vaccines to be manufactured while trials were underway, so they could not be released if they were not rigorously, especially with the FDA and the Food and Drug. These people, they check these things. So like I said, they have been doing research for quite some time and then they didn't wait to analyze the data and then say now this is when we can start the manufacturing they were actually manufacturing at the same time so clinical trials build on established networks clinical mm -hmm. trials especially when you are doing research you look at the data which is already out there so it helps to inform or to narrow some of these because uh, uh, you don't want to in other words, they say you don't want to reinvent the wheel. So this is, I think, the last myth. I'm not at risk for severe illness, so I don't need the vaccine. So most people, especially young ones, will say, no, I don't need the vaccine. The fact is you can still become infected and spread uh, infection to others. This is why when you, I mean, people are asking people to get the vaccine. It's just not for you yourself but it's for others because you don't know uh, people that you get in touch with and get in contact with. So you protect not only yourself, but you protect others. So let me end right there and then open up the mic and see if there are some questions. So we go to Dorothy. Do you have any question, Dorothy, or any, anything you want to add? I think Dorothy may not be able to talk, but let me see. Oh, if... hi. Good evening. Yes, good evening. Oh, sorry. I was muted. Well, um, interesting topic. And uh, I, don't, I don't think I have anything to ask because I think I've covered all angles. So maybe I want to know why the governor is opening up uh, Indiana state and you know, removing all the mask mandates. Is he, I mean, is, is he being uh, informed by the doctors or seeing this as, as a political move? Yeah, so that's a very good question. So uh, uh, the governor, this is why I mentioned earlier, there are some committees that they have sat down and then they've looked at the data. And because I think at one time, the cases that we had, we were almost approaching nine to 10,000, but now... There has been a dramatic drop in COVID-19 cases. So this is why after consultation with uh, different uh, groups, uh, the governor, uh, the lady who is usually talking is uh, Dr. Box. That's actually my uh, our boss there at the health department. They have medical professionals who have looked at the uh, data and looked at the trends and say, I think we are heading in the right direction. So hence, they, especially with the vaccine, now that they are opening it up to uh, anyone 16 and above. 
So there is what is called herd immunity. You want to uh, vaccinate as many people as you can so that at least chances of the disease spreading is reduced. So this is why I think they, they have taken that approach is because there are so many vaccines out there and a lot of people have uh, gotten the vaccine and then the cases have dropped. So I wouldn't really say it's a political move. It's uh, something that I think is uh, which is informed by science. So what about, because also, I mean, Michigan is our neighbor here. And from what mm-hmm. I heard on the news, the numbers of COVID are going up in Michigan. So isn't that a concern for the government that you know, people travel back and forth? So wouldn't that be a concern that maybe we shouldn't do this now with a little bit? Yeah, I think that's a good question. It's it, It's always a concern. This is why, the governor, what they are doing is uh, to drop the mandating of the mask. Uh, even the governor himself said he is going to wear a mask after the fifth. You know, some of these things get poly- politicized, but I think I see where he's coming from. He says uh, he's going to wear a mask and then he's encouraging people to take the vaccine. So, of course, Michigan being on the other side of the, uh, the neighboring, I mean, neighboring state, so, of course, they are taking precautions. So, at the end of the day, uh, it just boils down to us individually, what steps are we going to take? So, we, we, this is why we are encouraging our people, because most people may not have a chance to ask questions to Dr. Box, but some of us who work at the health department, uh, like I myself work in the same building with Dr. Box. So, uh, we thought maybe opening up, having a show like this, so at least we can ask questions. So I'm, lo- I'm giving out the data that we have there at the state. So you are getting information, of course, from a reliable source and uh, just trying to uh, give this information to our people. So at least it's uh, like we always say, uh, with the right information, you people make uh, best uh, decisions. So... The mask mandate ends, I think, uh, the key word is mandate, ends on the fifth. But uh, people are still encouraged to wear masks and, above all, to take the go for the vaccine. Okay, yeah, so I think we are running down on time. Nancy, what are your final thoughts as we conclude? Well, uh, thank you so much for having me on the program. This was a timely topic, and uh, let's. Uh, I'm just encouraging everybody to make their own informed decisions. It's personal decisions to get uh, vaccinated. Uh, you're not only protecting yourself; you're protecting your relatives who are highly compromised with, uh, you know, compromised immune system. So we are doing it uh, for everybody. Okay, so let's get uh, vaccinated. You don't want to regret once you get struck with COVID. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, so again, well said, Nancy. The, we have this show so at least we can give a, a, an opportunity to our people to ask questions to some of us. Of course, Nancy, she's a nurse. She's somebody who knows exactly what she's talking about. She has, I think, dealt with COVID-19 patients. I myself, on the other hand, of course, I work for the Indiana Department of Health. I have been on the front line working on COVID-19, providing sort of guidance to the uh, 
rest of Indiana, the general public, and also the medical uh, personnel. So we are just sharing some information so that at least we know the challenges that our people have, especially when it comes to COVID-19 and then just vaccine in general. What we want to make sure we remember is that vaccines have been responsible for eradication of polio, chicken pox, and other diseases. So most of the hesitancy that people have on the vaccine is not that they did the research. Most of these things that people share on WhatsApp, it's based on hearsay from somebody else. They have not done the research to say, I've gone to the lab, I've gathered the data, I've analyzed the data, and then this is what it's giving me. No. Most people, they will hear something, what somebody else say, and say, oh, no, that person said that. Therefore, I'm not going to take the vaccine. So I'm encouraging you to take the vaccine because there are some safety protocols that this vaccine goes through. And for them to be put out there, this is why you see even the president, Joe Biden, and the vice president, Kamara Harris, they go live, they take the shots so that people can see that this is, is safe. So most of, especially when it comes to our people, it's just hearsay. You hear your friend, they tell you after they, I mean, they don't know what they're talking about. But when you look at the facts, uh, the science seems to point that these vaccines, of course, is not 100%. Uh, the key in public health is prevention is better than cure. You don't want to wait until you suffer from a disease for you to take action. This is why we are encouraging our listeners to be proactive and take the shot, uh, especially if you're in Northwest Indiana and Notre Dame University this Friday, and if you are uh, listening to somewhere else within the state of Indiana, you dial 211, and of course you'll be directed to where you need to take your shot. There are three uh, vaccines out there. Johnson & Johnson is the one shot. There's the Pfizer. It's a two-step process, so you take two shots. So we are encouraging you to take vaccines. Don't listen to people. They have not done the research. They are just uh, speaking based on what somebody tells them, but it's basically on hearsay. So again, thank you for being part of this show. We do this show just to help our listeners be better informed. So as we conclude, we are leaving you with this beautiful track by Nora God, Mpimawanga. So thank you, Nasi. Looking forward to another show next week. Thank you for now. And good night, ladies and gentlemen. And good morning if you are in Zambia, and I think everyone else is sleeping now. So, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. See you next week, same time. Thank you. Mwana queen 